Hey, what's up, Internet? I'm Dan Casey, and welcome to today's episode of Nerdist News Talks Back. It's our weekly over-the-top talk show about all things pop culture, and thank you so much for joining us. Now, on today's show, we have a doozy for you. Another theme park ride is becoming a movie, and sadly, it's not Star Tours. Then we're diving deep into the biggest announcements from New York Comic Con, as well as a deeply unexpected cinematic universe in the works. And from there, we'll take you to the space-faring super cops of DC Comics, all the way to the Sorcerer Supreme of the Marvel universe all of that plus some sports movie trivia on today's episode of nerdist news talks back but before all of that let's meet today's amazing panel first up she is the host of marvel's voices podcast a contributor to places like sci-fi wire nbc news and black girl nerds to name a few it's angelique rocher hello so happy to have you here it's going to be a fun one <laughs> next up <laughs> Next up, you know him as the host of the Meaning Of podcast on the First Cut YouTube channel and a writer for Geeks of Color, it's Andres Cabrera. What is up, guys? Very happy to have you back here, albeit virtually, Andres. It's going to be a fun episode. And yeah. last but not least, she hosts the podcast Desi Geek Girls and Strong Female Characters for Sci-Fi, and she's the author of books like Orientation, Marvel Avengers Assembly, and A Jedi You Will Be. Please welcome Preeti Chibber. Hello. Hello. Guys, we have a killer show today, but before we get into it, it's time for our weekly segment that you guessed it. It's called, Should You Still Be Wearing a Mask in Public This Week? And hold on, I'm, uh, I'm getting the latest reports from actual scientists and they say, yes, yes, you should. The answer is still yes, <laughs> still a pandemic. Anyway, moving right along. So folks, I've got some news for you because while it may be a long time before it's safe to go back to our nation's theme parks, we'll soon be able to experience the thrills and chills of one of the most famous roller coasters of all on the big screen. That's right, folks, Space Mountain. The world's, most, the world's most famous roller coaster about space, mountains, and sometimes Star Wars is finally getting turned into a movie by Kenobi writer Joby Harold. So my question to the panel is why? My second question is what do you think this movie will be about? Angelique, let's start with you. Look. I'm going to tell you something. I love movies. Love them. I love bad movies. I, really bad movies. There was one movie that I've ever walked out of in the movie theater, and it was Tomorrowland. And I'm going to tell you something. I literally, in the middle of the movie, was like, done. I got up, and I left. It was five years before I actually saw the end of that movie because I couldn't bring myself to watch it. And you know what that movie was about? a theme park ride. So those are my feelings about you taking my favorite roller coaster, a roller coaster that I've ridden no less than 30 times and making a movie out of it. Done. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I still have, I still have yet to walk out of a movie. There's been a handful that mm. I wish I had in hindsight. Mm. Really? Yes. Um, yeah, I've never, no, absolutely. I never have either. Really? Yeah, there was nope. one, um, I think it was called Night Moves or something. It had Jesse Eisenberg and yeah. I want to yep. say Dakota Fanning as like eco-terrorists. And I was with two friends and afterwards, all of us looked at each other and said at different points in the movie, we all wanted to walk out, but we were too polite to say something nope. about it. So never again, your time is too valuable to you watch that Jesse Eisenberg. You get nonsense. up and you leave. Yeah. And here's the thing, I that. felt bad about it. And there weren't, there was like maybe five of us in the movie theater. So it was like, no one was gonna judge me. And for a good five minutes, I was like, I can't leave, I paid for this. I should that, That's stay. the thing, you already paid for it. Like, you're not getting a refund. You're not getting was, a refund. You said this was Tomorrowland? 
Yes. Yeah, that movie was pretty bad. I can't lie. <laughs> that movie was painful. Yeah, did not care. And for you it. had a smart cast, but I was like, <clears throat> yeah, I'm not here for it. I I think to answer your question, Dan, money is why, uh, and because. Oh. <laughs> property <laughs> money i mean it's free money uh that's that's always what i say when people question the live action uh recreations because they're like why are they making live action recreations i'm like why not um because it it is that property that they own they have it so they can make this into a film and it worked with pirates of the caribbean so it'll eventually work with something else is kind of their motto uh which i get uh my thing is i don't know if you caught this dan uh, Legend of the Sword, King Arthur writer. That's why I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite movies of that year. Great film. <laughs> uh, literally, I think the only people who like that movie are currently on this Zoom call with me. You have you have three but of I'm the gonna... people who were fans of that movie. <laughs> but I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask you though. Yeah. Name another movie that was based off of a theme park ride that's been successful. I present to you again, Tomorrowland, The Haunted Mansion. Yeah. I'm done. That's it. I don't, okay, I don't need to present anymore. I think I'm done. <laughs> Literally, Space Mountain could be about anything that ride has zero narrative it could be literally about anything as long as it's in space and has a mountain involved in some way it's like see i would like to see them do a kind of real-time thriller of people waiting in line for space mountain for an hour <laughs> and 57 minutes and We've then have the two minutes of joy at the end that huge action sequence and then a whole two minutes they race to the bathroom and then it's a race to get back in line. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I lit that and then there was an Aerosmith ride over oh, at, yeah, I know, what, I, I know what you're talking about. That ride was in, look, my sister. The one Six Flags? No, no it's, it's a Disney. Uni, uni, well, they're replacing it now. It's at Disney. There's an Aerosmith ride at Disney. Yes. Uh, it was like the Jimmy, was it the Jimmy Fallon ride? Was it the same thing? I can't. It's in a, It's the same park where the haunted mansion is. What Boy, a combination! Yeah. Jimmy Fallon and Aerosmith. <laughs> I mean, Sounds like quite yeah. a ride. Uh, but yeah. Space Mountain is. Yeah, Space 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 Mountain's legendary, right? Like I remember my first time going to Disney, and I was like, "Do you want to just ride Space Mountain again?" And then it's we just great. kept doing it's that great. over and over. Yeah. But is there a difference? So I'm I'm actually from Florida. So I'm a mm. I'm a Disney World, not Disneyland person. I don't know if there's a difference between the space there is. the spaces yes. mountain. There is. And also secret, there's a difference there's a difference in what line you get in. By Ooh, the what? way. So Wait, a lot what? of people don't realize that Space Mountain, there are two different sides. The space side left, and the mountain there's, side. Yeah. There, nope. There's a left There's and Big a right. Thunder Mountain and then there's Space Mountain. <laughs> Um, no, there's a left side and a right side, and one. And when I was a kid, they were two different speeds. And so, if oh. you ask, oh. if the person wasn't really into roller coasters, right. they would suggest one side versus the mm -hmm. other. This sounds very vaguely familiar. Yeah, my sister always took the faster side. I didn't have a choice. It was more fun. It, like if you just told me that without like. Uh, that's something I feel like I would have heard of as a kid. And it's like when someone tells you there's like a swimming pool on the third floor of your high school yeah. as like a rumor to trick a freshman. <laughs> like there's a, oh, no. there's a secret speed. 
No, that that story is a story of Fairyel from the Universal Studios that I'll tell you one day and how I went the back way into the Harry Potter ride. Oh no. Ooh. A tour. There's back a back way. Well, there's the the dueling dragons or whatever it's called now for Harry Potter used to be a roller yep. coaster called the Dueling yep. Dragons. Yes. And there's a way to cut through the line so you don't have to go through the whole line again where mm. you just come out of the exit and cut through and can go right back in. There's also a back hall in uh, Hogwarts. It's you like are welcome. welcome. Wow. Well, I'm for all those people going to theme it's parks. safe to actually go to a theme park again. Before <laughs> we move on to the next topic, is yeah. there a theme park ride you think that actually deserves a movie? Hmm. That doesn't already have a movie because that's the problem. Because I would say, yeah, it doesn't already have one. I would posit I'll, I'll, it's no longer in existence. But uh, Justin B in the chat, echoing my opinion, there, Tower of Terror feels wasn't like. Wasn't there a movie? Be... Was there not a Tower of Terror movie? I feel like there was. Wasn't there something? Maybe way... something. Did I make maybe that way up? back in maybe way back in the day? But I would say that it's worth having a new movie made about. Okay, it. I think like a reboot. Right. I'll take it. That. Yes. How about a new water world guys right that's oh. what we want <laughs> no our producer okay. our producer adam is saying there was a steve gutenberg made for tv movie of tower of terror i knew I'm talking it about you. Okay, I'm talking I'm about big screen, not, I was like, not tiny living room this... gutenberg okay <laughs> gutenberg is a huge star man yeah uh, actually in, my favorite in, episode of uh, uh in my mind steve gutenberg is a fucking genius party down Oh, sorry guys yes party down thank I you i knew it <laughs> my brain was buffering and then we got time it was fantastic don't worry i got uh, you <laughs> I, I agree he is uh he is that's what the g is for in gutenberg genius yes, no it is it is um, genius i don't know i would love to i going back to aerosmith i would love a, a movie that is based and it's just called love is a roller coaster and i want it also, oh, mm, and as I say it, I in my Harley Quinn is like literally behind my head. She's like, "No, you don't." That's not what you, you might. Want to say. Well, there's the um, the rock and roller coaster in Universal Studios in Florida that is like you you pick the music that plays when you ride the yes. roller coaster, and so if you pick Sabotage from the Beastie Boys, it's like perfectly timed where you have that lead in and then goes over. And I was like, I want that feeling from a movie about a rock and roller coaster. You Storch. know the okay. Imagineers and all that, the okay. engineers behind that ride were so stoked when they're like, it lines up, it it's lines up. perfect. <laughs> That's incredible. I feel like Sabotage is that one song that everyone uses for everything. Yep. Uh, yeah, because it just it's fits. Great song. Rightfully yeah, so. Yeah, it fits, it fits, yeah. It's Look, it's song. good enough to trick uh, alien interlopers. It's True. good enough for a roller mm -hmm. coaster. It can do no wrong. But let's yep. move away from the world of Disney for a moment and move to the world of New York Comic Con. That's right, folks. Last week, New York Comic Con took place not in the labyrinthine halls of the Javits Center, but online with panels from everything to The Boys, to The Expanse, to Marvel's stop motion animated MODOK series, to Stephen King's The Stand and beyond. There was a metric ton of stuff to get excited about in the weeks, months, and years ahead. Now, the stop motion animated MODOK series is where I want to start because I am very excited about the potential implications of this. Now, MODOK, or the mental organism designed only for killing if you're nasty, is going through a bit of a midlife crisis as he's been unexpectedly ousted from AIM. Voiced by Patton Oswalt, MODOK is Marvel's first foray into adult animation in the MCU era, and it looks just delightfully deranged. So many wonderful people in this cast. I heard Ben Schwartz, Melissa Fumero. So what was your first thought at this first look at MODOK? What do you think of the, the clips and the trailers? Uh, Preeti, let's start with you. 
I loved it. I thought it was very funny. And it, it, you know, I finished, uh, I caught up on Star Trek Lower Decks last, like over the weekend. And I really like this sort of, I guess, maybe new trend of bringing these great franchises into a space that is very slice of life, which is one of my favorite aspects of storytelling, but it's like absurd slice of life. I'm super into it. I think it looks awesome. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think as well, it works super well uh, for a character like Modok, who mm -hmm. might feel a little ridiculous brought to life in live action. And that's saying something, considering all the crazy mm -hmm. stuff that's already existing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I think also it lets them, kind of what I, what I hope they're going to do with She-Hulk as well, is push into new genres. Like a lot of these, mm -hmm. a lot of these shows and movies are like action with some comedic beats. This is going to be comedy first and foremost, it feels like set against this backdrop of uh, super villainy. So that's a really exciting new avenue for them. But Angelique, I'm curious, what do you think that a category like adult animation offers um, the creators at Marvel? Well, I think it's really interesting because animation when it first started really was for adults. Uh, we've kind of come around full circle. Like, yeah, there was kids animation, but a lot of times it'd be for movies or it would you know, when you look at the Flintstones and all these other shows, like it was, some of it was prime time. Like it wasn't like on the Cartoon Network because one, it didn't exist. And two, there wasn't really the bandwidth to do that, all puns intended. Um, I'm excited, right? Because I think it's in the vein of a lot of the concepts of what if um, in a lot of the, the twisted worlds, but also Modoc is that character um, that is just so outrageous if you don't really just let yourself fall into, this is a floating head with little feet and hands. It's just a brain, basically, in a levitating chair. <laughs> cool. Um, and I think that, I think Modoc really lends into the absurdity of Patton Oswalt's uh, portrayal, uh, who honestly, if you were gonna get somebody who probably knows more about Modoc than Modoc, it's Patton Oswalt. Yeah, he is, uh, uh, he's the natural choice. Like, I, ca I cannot think of another person who instantly mm -hmm. I'd be like, oh, they were born to play MODOK. <laughs> also, now that you mentioned MODOK, I, I can't help but think that he is like the, like, protean material from which Funko Pops emerged. They're like, but what if this, this was oh. cute? <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I don't know if that's like the worst thing I've ever heard or the best thing I've ever heard. It's probably it's both. the best thing. <laughs> We'll call him uh, a little Yeah. Andres, what do you what do you think about what do you think about Modoc? Um, what do you think it can add to the already sort of sort of sprawling Marvel Cinematic Universe? Even yeah, it seems like it's sort of tangential to it. Yeah, I don't feel like it. I mean, I don't I don't think it's going to be any part of it, considering it's it's Hulu and considering it's more. It's I feel like everything that's TV that Marvel is going to connect is going to be on Disney Plus versus Hulu, like Hellstrom, uh, like Modoc is going to be more separate, considering. Uh, I am the only Agents of Shield fan left alive, but I love Agents of I'm Shield. Sorry. Oh, you I'm guys sorry. love Agents of Shield? Okay, 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 okay. I love it. All right, we we in it. We in it. Uh, I mean, Mac uh, Mac has my love for life. Oh, I love Mac. Henry's uh Henry's actually a friend of mine. So he's such a nice person. He's great. Yeah, yeah. So so that's my thing. My thing is like the TV world seems to be separate enough to where they can have a little bit more liberty than when it comes to the MCU. Uh, and obviously we see the success of something like a Harley Quinn on the DC yes. side when it comes to the animation. So I feel like letting loose when it comes to adult animation and adult humor is 
kind of the way to go nowadays, especially with animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I'm a big fan of financial humor. So give me that Modoc aim financial problem humor. Because <laughs> I feel like that is probably the most relevant topic right now. Considering he even had the, the accountant even had the little like green visor on his uh, yep. aim suit. It was such a good little detail. They like, that's, that's what I love about that trailer. It's just so jam packed with these like blinking, you'll miss it moments. Yeah. Uh, that is just like, I, I, that's, there, it's so much, that's the best part about animation as well. Mm. Is you know, some of those details yeah. were added in by the artists and the people storyboarding because not all of that can wind its way into the script. You have all these talented people who are adding their unique touch to it, especially the folks over at Stupid Buddy Studios who are bringing their signature style of stop motion animation to the Marvel universe proper now. Um, but going away from Marvel for a moment, I want to hop over uh, in the interest of time to another um, comedic series that has a legion of fans that I think are very excited to see this finally work its way to the big screen or trepidatious about it because it's not a straightforward adaptation. I'm talking about The Watch. So BBC America is going to bring a little bit of Discworld into our lives with Terry Pratchett's delightfully absurd fantasy novels sort of getting merged into this new series about Captain Sam Vimes played by Game of Thrones alum Richard Dormer who leads the City Watch, a motley crew of characters that tries to keep law and order in a deeply corrupt city where crime has has been legalized, so tough job on their end. Um, now, as I mentioned, this isn't a traditional adaptation so much as a hodgepodge of inspirations from Pratchett's sprawling bibliography, but I'm curious, what do you hope to see from this trailer? Uh, what do you, rather, what do you hope to see from this series and what do you expect to see from this series? Um, Angelique, let's start with you. So I, I, I'm gonna keep my expectations low because this is very ambitious to touch Terry's work at all. Um, I liking it to, to Saga and understanding that Saga is never meant to be, a, 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 it was written not to be adapted, right? Like when you look at the work that most of us read in high school and you think about this concept of how much money it would really take to make it good, I'm really curious to see how they were able to scale it down. So I'm keeping my expectations very low uh, also, the trailer looks quite weird, which is right up my alley, and I'm very excited about it. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I have to say that that sort of weirdness and just that like, it was so vibrant and despite how grimy it was that it really kind of lured me in. Mm-hmm. And then remembering uh, the sort of uh, linguistic gymnastics that happen in every single Terry Pratchett book, they're so funny, but also it, it is going to be a real challenge to bring Discworld to life. So I'm curious, um, Andre Supriti, what do you think about this? Were you, are you a Discworld fan? What are you hoping to see from this series? Uh, this is, not, I mean, this is another one of those series like Angelique, like I read it in high school. And so my memories are quite painfully far away, unfortunately. And so I'm kind of going in a little bit with, with almost no expectations. It just looks kind of fun. But I'm, but it's something wholly original at the same time. So it's, it's not. I think it's one of those series that you don't want to tie too deeply to the source material and recognize it. It's almost like Hitchhikers, right? Like every iteration of Hitchhikers Guide to the Galaxy is drastically different than the various things. Yeah. Like the books are different from the radio, which are different from the TV show, which are different from the movie. And so allowing it to exist in this kind of fun way as a TV series and and just take whatever it decides to put on screen and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah I think- I have no... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, there. No, after you. 
Well, um, my I have no connection to it, so I, I guess I'll echo Preeti when I say that I'm I have no expectations. My only expectations is I always see who is the one distributing it, so I I, I like to pay attention to the branding as far as the television channel. So when I saw that it was BBC, I was curiously optimistic considering they've given me quite a few good shows in the past that I have come to enjoy. Uh, I just think it's kind of funny how fantasy has come such a long way from, I'm sure all these things were going to be greenlit at one point, but they waited on it. And now that Game of Thrones is gone, everyone is like, yo, give me every fantasy adaptations that we have. <laughs> Wheel of Time! Everything. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. So it's all coming back. See, Preeti, uh, you stole the you stole the words right out of my brain. That is the show that I think is the best contender to take that uh, yes, Game of yes. Thrones crown, uh, the forthcoming Wheel of Time series for Amazon. So um, listening to the uh, audiobook for the fifth book right now while I walk my dog, and it just I'm just like it's like I black out, then I've completed the entire walk, and I'm like, oh, fantastic! <laughs> what an adventure I just went on. Thanks, Rand and the gang. Um, so yeah, let's, 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 uh, let's move on from my fugue state to a, something a little bit darker. And that is the world of Stephen King with The Stand. And for those who don't know, The Stand tells the story of something that's pretty unrelatable to us, humanity being devastated by a deadly plague and survivors finding themselves caught up in a battle between good and evil as respectively represented by Mother Abigail, a prophetic 108 year old woman and Randall Flagg, AKA the dark man, AKA a really bad dude with some gnarly powers as evidenced by the book and the trailer and the scars guard of it all. Now this famously chunky novel is now getting turned into a nine episode limited series on CBS All Access that stars Whoopi Goldberg, the aforementioned Alexander Skarsgård, James Marsden, and a slew of other talented actors. So I'm curious, are you excited for this adaptation? Are you tired of apocalypse fiction in the year of our Dark Lord 2020? What do you hope this version of The Stand offers us as compared to the previous iteration and the book itself? Um, Preeti, let's start with you. So I have this very vague recollection of watching the original series for like a high school film theory class and just hating it. <laughs> like not being the right audience. Not, I was like 15 and I was like, this is so boring. And so now when it comes up, I have these all these awful like, like teenage feelings about it. And knowing that it is about the pan like a pandemic and knowing all these things i'm just like i'm so tired <laughs> just <laughs> yeah between between the stand and utopia it's um been an odd year for things that were about a pandemic that didn't expect an actual pandemic to happen uh the worst so kind of <laughs> uh, the worst kind of real world marketing um not not what they were looking for uh so i feel for those marketing teams out there uh, but Andres, I'm curious, so this is coming to CBS All Access, it's a nine episode limited series, it's something that isn't Star Trek, do you think this can be the kind of feather in the cap that streaming service needs? See, that's what I was thinking too. I, I don't know why I don't think so. I feel like this is a very particular audience when it comes to the Stephen King fan group that certain people might be a, uh, a part of, but I don't see them necessarily being like, hey, now this is what's gonna make me pay for CBS All Access, considering I didn't want to when it was just Star Trek or other shows. I, I don't see this necessarily as the one that breaks through the mainstream and gets like a ton of subscribers to come on there, but that's just me. But then again, when it comes to post-apocalyptic kind of survivor group type stuff, 
every time we think we've had enough of it, something else comes back and actually kind of impresses us. The other night I was watching A Quiet Place uh, for like the third or fourth time. And I, and, I, and I remember that people talked to me about, people who saw A Quiet Place Part Two. Uh, I know a couple friends of mine that saw that and told me that it was a little bit like survivors groups uh, stuff as well. It's in the trailer, so I'm not spoiling anything, but they told me it was really good and it might be better than the first. And I'm like, uh, another post-apocalyptic alien movie that's good. Uh, so you never know, this might be another quality adaptation, but again, Walking Dead is still on the air guys. So <laughs> 10 years still have counting. That. We Ten still got it. Megan is a good guy now. Yeah, I mean, stranger things have happened. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I, I do think that you you hit on a good point there where, I mean, every time we think that we're done, there's something in these stories that keeps drawing us to it, especially as our own real world circumstances yes. feel increasingly apocalyptic. So it becomes less uh, apocalypse fiction and more kind of apocalypse uh, nonfiction. Mm. Um, but I'm curious with this adaptation in particular, um, you know, they said they're updating certain elements of characterization. Also, there's a new coda written by Stephen King himself. So Angelique, what do you hope to see from this series? Because as I took it, uh, that you are a bit of a fan of this. Well, here's the thing. I, I love post-apocalyptic stories. I'm here for speculative fiction. And you know what they give you? They give you hope. As much as that sounds crazy, Book of Eli one of my favorite movies. Why? So Eli dies, but the Bible survives and there's hope, right? And it's, I think that's why I'm excited about this because as a woman of color, the fact that Whoopi Goldberg is in this really does change it. Like having an EGOT in this, really doing this role. Um, and I'm just a Whoopi fan, period. Like hands down, she's, she's not perfect, but if you see at the height of her career, She's pushing out movies, right? I'm also really excited because I hope that in this case scenario that this turns out better than The Dome. And I really just wanted vindication for what they did to The Dome, which was a great show when it started. When it started. And then it just left us high and dry. I have a lot of feelings about it. I also am here for anything Skarsgård, but I think the pacing of the trailer was good. It seems like, you know, one of the things you always kind of worry about with Stephen King's work is that it is, most of it is tones. Most of it is very big. You have to have the right director, the right, you know, story person to come in and dissect it in a way where the core elements of the, the movie is there, but you're also not precious about those teeny tiny elements that will like make the pacing just go wackadoo because you have to get everything in. Um, I think the world building seems really fun and very dark from the trailer. I also love Fiona Dorif. And if you can put fart in anything and everything, that means there's going to be a bit of comedy. There's gonna be some physical moments that allow it to be relatable and human. And so it's not gonna all be crazy. And I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting those vibes, right? Like, um, so I'm excited about it. Um, I also like Snowpiercer, guys. So don't, don't, don't look at me. There you go. The the show. Yes. I will have to check that out because I did enjoy the movie, and I've heard, you know, I, I I've heard your mileage may vary, but um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about it. I'm curious. They're about very the different. So, They're so I've heard. Very different. Uh, can I well, give a I mean, shout out to uh, to the Outsider uh, HBO show that came out this year? 
uh, another Stephen King adaptation that I thought was one of the most quality Stephen King adaptations I've seen. I believe it's like eight or nine episodes long on HBO. Uh, really, really good stuff. Uh, one of my favorite Stephen King adaptations I've seen. The more Ben Mendelsohn in my yeah, life, Mendelsohn. the better. Um, he is just an international treasure. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think maybe nine episodes is the uh, the sweet spot when it comes to Stephen King adaptations, if that's the case, uh, based on the they, outsider. They should be limited series. They should be limited series, mm -hmm. man. Like I really honestly, as much as I love Stephen King, I'm going to leave longer series to Joe Hill uh, and keep Stephen at a good miniseries because that's how I grew up getting my Stephen King. It was either a movie or mm -hmm. a miniseries. Like having multiple season long shows of Stephen King is rough. Yeah. My I opinion. Mean, that's the dome started as a limited series and they're like, what if it was an unlimited series? And then they said, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that's too much dome. That's the best like, way to describe it. It's it's too much much dome. Like, guys, so they're still in the dome, but now there's a tunnel. Now they're in cocoons. I just, I Look, you can't stream Cocoon anywhere else, so that's the next best thing that we can actually get is also, Dome Adjacent. Is cocoon is yes. a national treasure. It's a great If you movie. haven't seen it, find it, folks. Uh, pay your respects to the late, great Wilford Brimley and check out Cocoon. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's move away from uh, the world of Stephen King and move to a world that, look, I, I am clearly not a detective because I had no clue this was coming. So Tony Stark <laughs> may be off eating a plate of cheeseburgers mm. in the sky right about now, but Robert Downey Jr. is already planning his leap to a different cinematic universe. This time, the game is afoot with the Sherlock Cinematic Universe. That's right, folks. Speaking at a Fast Company Innovation Festival panel alongside his wife and producing partner Susan Downey, RDJ mentioned their plans for a third Sherlock film directed by Rocketman's Dexter Fletcher, as well as plans for a larger cinematic universe for some reason. RDJ said, at this point, we really feel there's not a mystery verse built out anywhere, and Conan Doyle is the definitive voice in that arena, I think, to this day. So to me, why do a third movie if you're not going to be able to spin off into some real gems of diversity and other times and elements? And adding to that, Susan said, spin off characters from a third movie to see what's going on in the television landscape, to see what Warner Media is starting to build out things with HBO and HBO Max. So I'm curious, did they just watch Enola Holmes and think, wow, yes. we should do this, but with our characters? And how is this even going to, how, how do you see this even working? Uh, like, I feel like, I'm curious, do you think the shared cinematic universe moment is kind of over beyond the Marvel and DC of it all? And I guess I'll add Fast and Furious to that mix too. Um, Andres, let's start with you on this one. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's over anytime soon. As long as people are willing to risk it and try and make as much money as they can, I think they will try it. Uh, my only question is, to answer your first question, Dan, yes. The, the answer is uh, uh, Holmes seems to be popping right now. So I'm sure that the Downies are like, hey, Enola worked out. Let's try and do it with our own characters. My thing is like, this is nine years later. And we haven't seen Game of Shadows. I think it came out 2011. So this is, it's been a minute, but I do feel like Robert Downey Jr., a lot of people were speculating that his career after Tony Stark was going to get him into prestige films and possibly going for an Oscar. And now I'm convinced that he's like, yo, this money thing is good. I'm going to just keep <laughs> making this money stuff. Uh, and who cares about them prestige films? Because I want to print that money. 
Uh, and I think this is how he thinks he will do it. But to be fair to him, it is a joint venture with his wife. So I do feel like this is a passion project for them where they're just like having dinner and just talking about Sherlock Holmes. Uh, so I'm sure this is some sort of like relationship thing they want to do. And that, for that, I give it two thumbs up. But I'm, I'm curious, like, where are they going to go with this? Are we going to get like Mycroft, mm. Crime Always Pays, or like uh, Moriarty the Winter Soldier or something? Like, what, what are yeah. we going to get here? Um, uh, Preeti, what, what do you think? What do you see in this uh, <laughs> Sherlock Holmes? not verse? doing enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, already, I already told you, I am not a detective. Oh, oh Moriarty. I just, Moriarty. I just don't. I, I love Sherlock Holmes a lot. I am rewatching Elementary for like the third time right now. Like I loved Enola Holmes, even though that was 90% Henry Cavill's forehead curl, like into <laughs> it. The thought of watching a Sherlock Holmes cinematic universe movie that does not involve Sherlock Holmes at all. I don't understand the like appeal of it. I am not interested in it. And if Guy Ritchie's gonna do anything, I want a Legend of the Swords cinematic universe. Ooh. Like, give me Vinnie Jones as Merlin. Let me watch that movie. I don't necessarily want the Sherlock Holmes cinematic universe because I just don't even know. Like, like you said, like I don't want to watch a movie about Mycroft. That sounds awful. I don't want to watch a movie about Moriarty without someone who can go up against Moriarty like what is that it just it doesn't sound good so so hear me out so imagine Sherlock Holmes finds a kind of plucky young ward um someone from like the one of the queens uh represented um boroughs of London and takes him under his wing and teaches him the ways of being a detective gives him fabulous technology and then tragically dies and then leaves him to deal with the aftermath of that. That seems like a good original way to build out this universe in a way that'll generate buku bucks at the box office and also give a new generation. If only there was like a young British actor who could just transcend all four quadrants at the box uh -oh. office. It'd be, a, I don't know, for, for the, an actor like that, it'd be a real homecoming of sorts, but yeah. oh! I digress. Far from Holmes? <laughs> yeah. oh, yes, wow. Far, far from wow. Holmes. Far from Holmes! Holmes. Oh. No! That's what they should call the cinematic universe, truly. Far from like, Holmes. Not the mystery-verse, the far from Holmes-averse. My, um, my question is, Tommy is, is this, are we getting more Irene Adler, though? Yes. With all the jokes aside, if I get a story about Irene Adler, maybe I care some. But mm -hmm. I just, no, they need no, to. No, no, no. I agree with you. But like, Elementary did the Irene Adler story so well. I get that. Also, we live in a world, Preeti, where we have a thing called the librarians, the magicians, and Warehouse 13. And I'm going to be very honest the librarians and Warehouse 13 basically the same show and i'm going to tell you what i own all of them i watched all of them they were so, great i will watch them again but here i tell you they need to sit down do little uh, <laughs> a reckoning and he needs to just retire on that stark money i feel like enola just did it 
perfectly when it yeah. comes to yeah. the generation difference. It's 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 a it's a girl. It's a teenage girl. A different generation. It's targeting a different audience, which is younger yeah. teenage girls, and, and it and it gives a perspective of what it was to be a woman during that time in the women's suffrage movement. I feel like that's the way to do it. I just don't see any other story inside the Holmes universe or the Holmes character verse where there is a character that would be as relevant as someone like Anola would. Mm-hmm. So no. that's just my no. perspective. Do you think they're going to do something like a Grendel Beowulf situation where suddenly you're telling Moriarty's story from like his perspective? Like, I'm just tossing it out. I'm not saying yep. it's going to be good. I'm just saying I, like, I could see Mor- Moriarty, um, the, the origin story. Yeah. Yeah, Watson, the medical drama before he uh, joined forces. The war, the war I, story. I actually kind of yeah. want, I want a mashed version of Watson now. Thanks. <laughs> An 11 year TV show or movie about a one year stint at uh, Victorian doctor school. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Uh, well, let's, <laughs> let's move away from detectives and move to the realm of space cops for a moment, um, talking about the latest developments in the DC universe, in brightest day, in blackest night, no streaming service shall escape my sight, let those who worship HBO's might be where my power, Green Lantern's mighty interesting new TV series coming to HBO Max. That's right, folks, this 10-episode, one-hour drama series coming to HBO Max from Seth Bram Smith and Mark Guggenheim, it'll depict the adventures of a multitude of Green Lanterns including Guy Gardner, Jessica Cruz, Simon Boz, Alan Scott, Earth's first Green Lantern, who, according to the uh, report, will be a gay man true to the comics, and many more. The series will also include fan favorites such as Sinestro and Kilowog. It'll also introduce new heroes into the ranks of the Green Lantern Corps. So my first question to the panel is, what do you hope to see from this series, and how can they avoid, how can they avoid the mistakes of Ryan Reynolds' past? So, um, Angelique, let's start with you on this one. Look, Ryan, Green Lantern walked so that Deadpool could run. Let me be very clear. So I'm not going to, we make the mistakes that we make. So I'm not going to dog him <laughs> for that. Um, he even acknowledges that he never should have done it. Uh, I will say what I'm, I'm interested in. And the one reason why I, I want to watch this, besides the fact that it looks beautiful, um, just like the concept of having a team and like having the diversity of what, uh, a Green Lantern core looks like. I'm interested in folks who have this concept that Green Lantern is this one dude, like really understand like the background and seeing where the writers take that kind of world building out. Um, and I hope they they dig into it, right? I hope they don't suddenly want to be like, oh man, this isn't working. Let's do a procedural. Let's pull this back. <laughs> like I, I want them to have fun with the broad expanse of this. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but I'm also looking forward to HBO money. After seeing Lovecraft Country this, uh, this season, I will say that uh, I want most fantasy to go over to that HBO money. Yeah, I mean, clearly they are going to be pumping uh, a lot of cash into this because it's hard to, you know, you want to make the series look good, especially when you are putting uh, one of your prestige brands um, attached to it as well, like characters that have so much history and such a fan base. Um, Now, I'm I'm curious as well, um, there's no mention in this press release of anything about Hal Jordan or Jon Stewart or Kyle Rayner. So I'm curious, do you think they're saving them for a Green Lantern Corps movie? And what do you hope to see? Do you think this series um, is in any, not danger, but do you think their absence will uh, hinder this series in any way? Andres, let's start with you. Yeah, that's obviously the first thing that kind of people 
focused on, considering that Jon Stewart is already such a popular Green Lantern, and he's obviously my favorite Green Lantern. I grew up with Justice League, the animated series, so I, my Green Lantern was Jon Stewart, and I've always loved Jon Stewart. So that was the first thing that I was like, where is Jon Stewart? And they want to save him. I think they do want to save him for the movies, but I don't know if that's the best decision, considering how much we can get out of a television show. Like, like you just mentioned, Lovecraft Country, HBO show. I mentioned The Outsider, another great HBO show that I saw this year. There's been a lot, I mean, Perry Mason, there's been a lot of great HBO shows this year that I feel like the more that HBO can have an eight, seven, nine episode arc with a story, the better it is. And, and I wanna give as much uh, time and, and story to someone like a Jon Stewart, considering he's such an iconic character. The, the one thing that caught my eye though is Jessica Cruz, considering she's a newer one. And considering that she is Latina and we don't have a lot of Latino superheroes, especially on screen, uh, or, or Latino characters, frankly, on screen at all. So I, I really want to give a lot of attention to her because I do feel that la, la, the Latina story specifically is something that's missing uh, in television. So I'm excited for that specifically. And also the idea of Jon Stewart maybe popping up in a cameo. I, I don't know if they could connect this to the movie. I think that's my first question, considering, uh, Dan, that we also have the Gordon series, right? On HBO, is that still a thing? The Detective Gordon or Commissioner? Yeah, Gordon? they're doing a they're doing a GCPD series um, uh, because they really read the room in the wake of yeah. uh, the news cycle this year. Uh, decided yes. to proceed with a Gotham Central series, um, but I I Just think but that's connected to the, tea on that. Yeah, but that's connected yeah. to the film, right? <laughs> yeah, I know it's perfect. Yeah, time. that one is, that one is connected to the uh, the film gotcha. that Matt Reeves is doing. Yes. Um, but I think that one's, I don't know if they're filming that now or if it's going to, they're going to wait until closer to the actual movie coming out. I don't, who knows what they're filming right now. Everything is stopping and starting again. Um, but to bring it back to Green Lantern for a minute, I'm curious. So this creative team, you know, you have Seth Graham Smith and Mark Guggenheim, people that have brought us everything from Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter to the Arrowverse. So uh, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad, a little bit of uh, everything in between. I'm curious, Preeti, what do you expect from this creative team and what do you hope they can do with this series? And I was going to say, I actually trust DCTV a lot. Like, I think they, you know, they it, it's not perfect, obviously. Like, there, there have been some missteps. But overall, I found the DCTV shows to be so enjoyable and, and to really kind of hone in on who their characters are and have a real deep understanding of how they fit into the world that they've created and and how they can interact with each other and so I'm even though I'm not a huge like I don't I don't have a huge background in DC or anything but I love what they do on screen so much and in terms of their television that I have a lot of high hopes for this and I think that they'll be smart about how they have these characters and and any missing characters I think will probably show up whether it's connected to the movies which my guess would be no honestly like my guess would be that they'll have kind of what they've been doing which are side by side not necessarily integrated storytelling so much um which I'm fine with you know it's a potential of different actors getting to portray big name characters which is very cool um but yeah I think that there's a lot of potential that this could be great if if it's in line with what's come before it 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, um, and DC has already done a great job on the TV side of establishing that there is a multiverse as a convenient mm -hmm. way to explain all the different portrayals of these characters for people who are uh, just as sort of meticulously obsessed with canon as so many of us are. Um, so I think that I'm excited to see, especially since they have a decade plus of learnings behind them from what worked with the CW. And now they have kind of free reign to do a little bit more to uh, go bigger with budgets. Um, like Angelique was mentioning, like they use with Lovecraft Country too. They're not, they are not beholden to the um, practices and standards of network television. They can kind of tell the story that they want to for better or for worse. Um, not saying that like uh, more swears make a better show, but like I think that this hopefully means they can do the version of Green Lantern that so many fans have been waiting for. Um, so yeah, but let's let's leave it at that for now because I do want to leave time for uh, something else that might be opening a different bit of uh, multiversal mischief and mayhem. So <clears throat> when it comes to Spider-Man, two things are always true. With great power comes great responsibility and Uncle Ben is dead, which is kind of a corollary to the first thing. Now we may have to add a third truism, at least in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Spider-Man must always have an older goateed mentor. So while Iron Man has shuffled off this mortal coil, Peter Parker will apparently fill the Tony Stark-shaped hole in his heart with Stephen Strange, the best darn surgeon turned sorcerer in the tri-state area or your money back. That's right, folks. According to The Hollywood Reporter, The Hollywood reported that the Benedict Cumberbatch himself, I don't know why I said that, Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> is going to be joining Tom Holland in what I'm calling Spider-Man Sanctum Sanctorum. It's going to hit theaters on March 25th, 2022. And this obviously opens up a raft of questions, especially given that Spider-Man 3 will happen after WandaVision, but before Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So before we get into that, my question to the panel is, what are your initial thoughts on Doctor Strange joining this movie? So Andres, let's start with you. Woo. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot there. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of conversations. Obviously, this has been a story over the past week, considering that why, when is Spider-Man gonna leave the nest? Uh, when is he gonna sprout his wings and fly away and not have a goatee <clears throat> mentor, as you said, Dan? Uh, and the idea of adding a Doctor Strange, does that limit his character growth as a Tom Holland spider? That's a question that's been brought up to me. I, for one, am excited for a, a potential Spider-Verse. I like Doctor Strange. I like Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. Uh, the idea of introducing the multiverse inside the Spider-Man universe is, is opening a lot of different avenues considering that we have the potential to see a Tobey Maguire return, uh, an Andrew Garfield appearance which would be kind of insane, uh, but at the same time, absolutely hysterical. Uh, I cannot lie, I would love to see a Tobey Maguire come back as Spider-Man in the Spider-Man suit and just pretend to be an 18-year-old, uh, even though he's far <laughs> from it. Look, they have the technology, they can age anyone yeah. down. Not yeah, great, I don't want it. Don't be no, smart. I don't he want that. He could, he could no. claim, he's like, hey guys, I'm 18. Uh, <laughs> even though he's not, uh, as like a meta joke. I, the, the more I imagine this movie, the more I see the meta-ness of it all, where it's just so meta to the point that I even feel like they will play teenagers just to be funny and just to wink at the camera as like, yeah, we, we get it. We were old when we played teenagers. Uh, I, I don't know how this movie's gonna work out. I don't see it anything other than just a ridiculous comedy. 
So I, uh, look, I I'm very intrigued by this uh, Pen Fifteen esque um, uh, version of uh, Spider Man that you proposed here. We're just yeah. like they are clearly adults being teenagers. Everyone yes. else is the right age. Yeah. Um, but Angelique, I I had to, I saw your face uh, when he brought up the multiverse. So I'm curious. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what role you think a character like Stephen Strange will play in this third Spider-Man outing. So I, I agree, Andres, I agree with you on certain things, but for different reasons. So I look, he is still a teenager. Let's be real. He had a lot of mentors in the comics. You know, he had a lot of folks looking out for him. Reed was looking out for him. Tony was looking out for him. Like he's still a teenager. He's, he can't vote. Like, just, just give, give, just <laughs> give him a second. Um, maybe he'll be able to vote in this new movie. I don't know. So my whole thing is, I think Stephen Strange might be the perfect mentor at this point. Do you remember their interactions? He was like, hey, I'm Peter. Oh, I'm Dr. Strange. We're using, oh, we're using our fake names. Like, I see this as going to be hilarious because Benedict Cumberbatch is very funny as a human being. Uh, Tom has really good comedic timing, um, particularly in his role as Spider-Man. I I honestly think it's going to be less of a mentor and more of a, I'm going to push you in the deep end. Good good luck, kid. Like I already told you what you needed to know. Why aren't you doing it? Um, So I also say that without a scintilla of understanding about what this movie is going to be, just for the record. Make sure that's known. I, I, but I love Ben. I love Benedict Cumberbatch. Like I think he's a great actor, um, and I think he's done wonders with the role of Doctor Strange. And so, you know, maybe it's not a full minty mentor situation. Maybe he tries, and Benedict, and you know, Doctor Strange is like, kid, you're grown. Go somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I like that um, possibility as well. We have John Embry in the chat saying, excited, hope it's more of a team up, less mentor. Spider-Man needs to show that he's capable because I agree, like after the, he has this nice arc where he is kind of coming into his own as a as a, a young man, as a hero coming into his powers, assuming this great responsibility. And, you know, he his mentor figure is gone. And now he has this person who definitely doesn't want a student like, Stephen Strange is not about having an intern. So I think that friction hopefully will yield some outsized comedy. As you mentioned, I do think Benedict Cumberbatch is very underrated when it comes to that. But Lok Dasad 6 in the chat also put something in there that I'm curious about because it kind of lines up with rumblings that I, I've, been, I've been curious about. Are they going to use Doctor Strange to wipe the memory of Peter Parker's identity from everyone's minds? Which makes me think about one of the most controversial storylines in Spidey history, One More Day which could potentially introduce Mephisto and then perhaps the multiverse into the fold. So Preeti, I'm I'm curious, what do you think about that? That was actually my initial line of thinking when I heard the news was very much one more day, like 100% the first thing I thought of because that is, you're right, it is very, very controversial and I'm going to leave it at that in terms of of the feelings about it. But, you know, the the kind of post-credit sequence of Far From Home was incredible right like I remember seeing it and uh I was sitting next to someone from Marvel who had already seen a version of the movie and he's like the the two end tags are gonna kill you and I was like what does that mean and then it happened and I think I like slapped him on the arm and I was like what so waiting to find out the fallout from that because what's been different in the MCU for 
for Spider-Man is he is pretty cavalier about who knows his secret and who doesn't, right? It's kind of like, all right, I'm Peter. What's up, everybody? So figuring out how to pull it back from everyone in the world knowing he's Spider-Man, which is such an iconic thing, is like people should not know who Spider-Man is. Like his, he does not have Stark money to protect his loved ones, as as we know. So. I think very much it could potentially pull in Doctor Strange, which I am super down for because I do not want another mentor for Peter. Like I think Far From Home was about him finding himself as a hero. So it feels like a step backwards to have him be like, okay, I still I still need someone to show me how to be a hero. Like you don't, you're good, you're, you're fine kid. So having Doctor Strange come in and exist within this universe to help him specifically to fix this problem that he cannot fix with the powers that he has, I'm down with. And having Mephisto show up in the MCU post WandaVision, like what WandaVision can potentially bring to the magic of the storytelling and, and bring more magic and like fantasy into the into what has thus far been a very scientific based MCU, I'm super excited about. Yeah, and I, I, I got to agree with you there. I think that uh, uh, Mephisto offers so much weird, horrifying potential here. Like in my head, I almost pictured as like, they're in the sanctum. Doctor Strange steps out to use the mystic bathroom, tells Peter not to touch anything. Peter opens the wrong book because he's a curious cat and can't help himself, reads the wrong passage, and then boom, boom. the devil himself, Mephisto's there like, I can solve your identity crisis problem. Oh, someone stole your identity? Oh, I can fix this for you, but say goodbye to Zendaya. Oh, it would be so, so sad though if they if okay, they decided no, to go that Michelle route. Michelle goes nowhere, guys. Michelle. No, that's no. I just mean pressure. in relation to Peter. No, no, even no. not. No, no, no. no. We waited too long. She literally had a a mace. Is that a what that was? Yeah, she had a mace. You don't get to take that, that away. No. That is the one thing, no. like I'm down with everything except, except the notion of like, you have to give up this relationship. I think it should be something else. Night I think it's probably- And the communists stay together. That's it. <laughs> I think yes. it's going to be closer to the comic if they go that route and so like Aunt May will be yeah. in like mortal peril or something like that. Uh, well, I hope that's not true either. They need well, to use Aunt May better. I'm sorry, yes. Marissa Torme is also, I'm sorry, that whole movie, I'm sorry, all of them. John Favreau, all Everyone's of them. Everyone's perfect. They're just, don't change. Don't be mean to them. <laughs> they can't help it. They love They love being mean to the ones we love. It's just, it's just how they how they mind drama. Um, but I'm, I'm curious as well, before we, uh, before we wrap things up here, I want to go back to, you know, there's sort of two schools of thought about this movie in the uh, capital D discourse I've seen online so far which is that either they are teeing up a multiverse um, or a Spider-Verse as teased by the quickly deleted Jamie Foxx Instagram post of Electro looming over a city with three spiders man, Spider-Mans, Spider-Man, however you conjugate it, it I have you covered. Um, um, Spider-Man, like, my knee? Wait, no, that doesn't work, okay. <laughs> spider Manny. Um, so then, uh, or they are. I, this is just a different version of the character, like a just updated, new lease on life version of Max Dillon, um, like we saw with uh, Infowars version of uh, J. Jonah Jameson. So I want to pose this question to the panel. What do you think they are doing here, especially as it pertains to Jamie Foxx and his version of Electro? So Andres, let's start with you. 
Yeah, I, I definitely, that's the first thing I thought of when I first heard that Electra was coming back. I, I almost thought of it as like they were trying to do what they did with J. Jonah Jameson, where it's J. Jonah Jameson, but a different J. Jonah Jameson. It's not the one from the Tobey Maguire movies. Uh, I could see them doing that with Electro, especially considering he was one of the most disliked Spider-Man villain we've seen on screen. Uh, not a lot of people were on board for that Electro. So I, I would prefer to see Jamie Foxx play a much different Electro. I, I think my question as well is bringing Doctor Strange in makes it seem like it's multiverse, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be from the exact same format of that movie. So it could be Electro, Jamie Foxx, but it's a different Electro. J. Jonah Jameson, same actor, but a different J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, and you could bring in other characters from different movies as well. I think I think my question to you guys, and I know I'm sorry, I'm taking, I feel like I'm taking over. No, uh, please. Is the idea of, of Sony using this to kind of push away from the MCU, considering the whole contractual obligations to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? expanding their own universe and kind of closing that loop if that makes sense i've heard rumors that maybe they're using this as a way to kind of make their own spider-verse and not necessarily rely on mcu characters as much after this movie i don't know well, if I, still a thing. i'll say this is before i open it up to the panel um yeah. you know we saw adrian tombs the vulture appear in the trailer for morbius giving a sense that these worlds are connected yes. And Sony for so long has wanted to make a Sinister Six movie. They mm -hmm. want that so badly, all of these villains on screen together. And a key component of that is Electro. Uh, you want, especially a character, someone like Jamie Foxx brings so much charisma to the big screen, giving him another crack at this character that I think he's pretty eager to uh, put a different stamp on this time. Um, I think it's fascinating. I think it also plays into the idea that as we saw with the ancient one explaining like, oh, there's all these parallel timelines, like it, it, like Endgame really opened up a lot of possibilities and doors for them before we even get to the multiverse of madness. So I think this is a different version of the character, but I'm curious, um, Angelique, uh, what are your thoughts on Jamie Foxx in this movie? I think if they give him a better written role and better character design, they will be starting off on, on a majorly good foot. Um, I've said it before, like Jamie is definitely a better good guy than he is a bad guy, except for that one where he was in jail. And I can't remember the name of it, but he was basically a psychopath that almost blew up the entire city. He was pretty great in that one, not gonna lie. Um, I will find that movie and send it to people or someone can put it in Twitter for me. Um, but I will honestly say, they would have to make that role more intellectually. It has to be intellectually deeper, right? Like I don't, I, he wasn't believable. And I don't, I don't know if it was fully him, but he really wasn't believable uh, the first time he played that role. And I think that if you gave it more depth and more backstory, um, instead of making it such a, it, it was much more of a Richard Pryor-esque villain from Superman. And I don't want to see Jamie play that role again because he's not Richard Pryor. Um, one, um, he's Jamie Foxx and it comes with different strengths and weaknesses. So I'm not gonna be complete Debbie Downer. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, I don't want this. Uh, but if, if they're revamping the role, I'm open to see what happens. 
I, I think they are revamping the role. First of all, the movie was Law Abiding Citizen, I think that you're thinking of. Thank you. Yes, I got you covered. Uh, and in terms of Jamie Foxx, he's also said he's not gonna be blue this time in that um, Instagram post. So at least aesthetically speaking, I imagine it's going to be a different take on the character. I don't think the characterization that we got in Amazing Spider-Man 2 is in line with the kind of um, reality they've built with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So. Fingers crossed we will get a uh, better version of Max Dillon this time around, um, and I will keep my fingers extra crossed that he gets the equally silly classic uh, lightning bolt face mask, um, because, oh, no. like, <laughs> I, I just love that so much. It, it <laughs> reminds me of uh, the halcyon days of uh, reading comics as a kid, uh, even though it has no place. I like how they play with that stuff in WandaVision, where, like, you get the old school costumes, costumes. as, like, Halloween costumes um yeah. so maybe it'll just be like a, a mask he's like no this is this is cheesy it'll be like a little throwaway line yeah. or something and also for um, the record he was not the villain in law-abiding citizen i projected that on him and so i still stand by he doesn't play villain well here's the not thing though in, in i feel like an amazing which so many things went wrong in that movie just so mm so many things that had which is this is how i feel about all like bad superhero movies basically is that there's potential there's so much potential and that's what makes me angriest is like maybe the actors aren't like i think andrew garfield was not a terrible spider-man i think in the first amazing spider-man there was a lot of potential for them to be like great but there were inconsistency say in how peter was portrayed throughout the film and and same with amazing and so jamie Fox, I think, given what the MCU Spider-Man movies have done with villains, with villains who have not been my favorite in the comics and managed to, I think, create some of the best villains in the MCU. Like Vulture is top three villains for me in the MCU. I think yeah. he's such a strong villain. And even like Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio, who I hate Mysterio as a villain in the comics. I hate him. I hate when he shows up. I hate it. I'm never, I'm always like, oh, I don't want to read a Mysterio comic. <laughs> but in- You got a lot of feels, man. Makes me so mad. But in the movie, I feel like they did such a good job bringing the screen. So I have a lot of hope. There's a lot of hope in my heart for the Electro that they could potentially bring to screen given what exists for Electro in terms of storylines yeah. and how he will interact differently with Peter now that hopefully this is not gonna be a superhero who is influenced by another superhero who is mad because of something another superhero did. Like, I hope this is a Spider-Man villain who's mad at Spider-Man for yeah. whatever. Yeah, as, yeah, as much as I love seeing um, like in uh, Far From Home when they just like kind of pan to the left in, in scenes that we've seen already. It's and so just good. And being like, oh, curse you, Tony Stark. <laughs> uh, I do hope that, that like great. this, this is either a villain looking to make a name for himself or someone's going to put a bounty on Spidey mm -hmm. or he has a personal beef with your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. But I do think that whatever they do with it, it's exciting. I, I, it's nice to feel this sense of like, it, nowadays we know it's, you can suss out a lot of details about what's going to happen. There's so much granular reporting about every last detail of a film. So it's nice to have this feeling of kind of freshly fallen snow where you're like, I think I know what's under that snow, but I'm not quite sure. And I can't wait to find out. Mm -hmm. So I'm- I just want Sandman, like a good one. Ooh. There's That's a lot of villains I want. I want to see. I want to see a Mr. Negative. I want to see a black cat. Give me the black cat, please. We were gonna get a black cat. That was- I know. I, have, I know, 
silver and black. Ooh, I have feelings. Basically, I just Someday. want the Spider-Man Someday. PS4 game to be the movie because that's already the best oh. Spider-Man movie I've ever seen. It is the best Spider-Man movie I too have ever seen. So good. And the best traversal mechanics in a very long time. So I'm very excited to experience that again with Spider-Man Miles Morales yes. and a whole new story on top of that. Um, but now that we're done with news for the day, we'll say au revoir to Spider-Man and say hello to some good old fashioned Nerdist News trivia. So we here at Nerdist News Talks Back Institute for the Trivial Arts like to connect our trivia to the barest of threads. So given that the Los Angeles Lakers won their 17th NBA championship last night, congratulations. To celebrate, we're going to do trivia that our panel for sure definitely loves and has a deep and profound knowledge of sports movies. Sports movies. What? So, all right, thanks. maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe, Let's maybe see. one of you is a secret expert, and you're playing, nope. you're playing it up for the camera, rolling us through false sense of security. I don't know what's gonna happen. Let's see uh, what happens. I like sports. I don't know about sports movies. Well, we're oh. all look. Like I said, like I said before the show, I think we're all on an equal playing field here. So let us begin with question number one. Which 2002 movie is the true story about a high school chemistry teacher slash baseball coach who became a major league pitcher after trying out after making a bet with his players? Is it A, the coach, B, the incredible Mr. Morris, C, the rookie, or D, trouble with the curve? This 2002 movie is the true story about a high school chemistry teacher slash baseball coach who became a major league pitcher after trying out after making a bet with his players. A, the coach, B, the incredible Mr. Morris, C, the rookie, or D, trouble with the curve. All right, let's see those answers. I put Can't C. Your, yes, you're all correct. It is the rookie. That's right. Jim Morris, who's played by Dennis Quaid in that movie, only played two seasons with the Tampa Bay Rays, but the story gained national attention because he earned a roster spot after an open tryout at the decrepit age in baseball terms of 35. Oh, my God. Yeah. They only want boss babies swinging bats <laughs> and hitting homers. That, that's uh, LeBron James's age, 35 years yes. old. Look, he could pull a Michael Jordan now and uh, go yeah. play for the Chicago White Sox. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or I guess in, in just be here in uh, Cincinnati Reds um, or, uh, yeah. Okay, question number two. True or false, the movie Cinderella Man is about the first male figure skater. True or false? Cinderella Man is about the first male figure skater. All right, let's see those answers, folks. Okay, that is correct, false. It's a rags to riches movie about the Great Depression era boxer, James J. Braddock who may or may not have figure skated at some point in his life, only time will tell. Okay, question number three, what's the name of the team that's the focus of the baseball film, A League of Their Own? Is it A, the Rockford Peaches, B, the Scranton Horseshoes, C, the Shreveport Willows, or D, the Rochester Muskrats? So what's the name of the team that's the focus of the baseball film, A League of Their Own? A, the Rockford Peaches, B, the Scranton Horseshoes, C, the Shreveport Willows, or D, the Rochester Muskrats? All right, let's see those answers, folks. 
I'm sorry, Andres. The answer was, in fact, A, the Rockford Peaches. Great. They were a team in the (laughs) All-American Girls Professional Baseball League that operated from 1943 to 1954, and they won four titles during that time. By the way, I had a chance to see that on the big screen again uh, a couple years ago, and it is so good, especially with an audience. If you ever get the chance, highly recommend it. All right. Question number four, true or false? Rocky wins at the end of the first Rocky movie. True or false? Does Rocky win at the end of the first Rocky movie? All right, let's see those answers. Wait. <laughs> Correct. He he loses on points to Apollo Creed, but he doesn't get knocked out. And that's the like last Rocky question. movie they ever made until Creed. Oh damn! All right. No love for <laughs> the other Rocky films. They're taking the robot out of uh, out of the Rocky IV re-release, I believe. I think it's Rocky IV that's getting re-released. Um, yes. Yes, sir. they're taking the robot out, so those movies are dead to me. Creed forever. All right. Uh, question number five. Which of these movies is not based on a true story? Is it A, Invincible, a film about a Philadelphia bartender becomes an NFL player for the Eagles after an open tryout? Is it B, Million Dollar Arm, a film about a sports agent that brings two cricket players to the MLB after seeing them on a reality show? Is it C, Celtic Pride, a film about, excuse me, Celtic Pride, a film about two Boston Celtics fans who kidnap the best player of the Utah Jazz to ensure the Celtics win game seven of the NBA finals? Or is it D, Foxcatcher, a film about the 1988 Olympic wrestling team that slowly turns into a horrifying thriller with deceit, manipulation, murder, and Steve Carell? So which of these movies is not based on a true story? A, Invincible, B, Million Dollar Arm, C, Celtic Pride, or D, Foxcatcher? I'm sorry, Andres, the answer is in fact C, Celtic Pride. It sounded so real to me. (laughs) I know, look, being being from Massachusetts, I can fully imagine that happening based on many people I grew up with, but uh. Not yet, because the Utah Jazz probably wouldn't make it to the NBA Finals anytime they, soon. They got that uh, that pizza, though. Shout out to yes. the last dance. <laughs> at, le- at least there's that. The poison pizza. Uh, yes, God, the perfect crime. Um, all right, question number six. True or false, the documentary No-No is about Doc Ellis, a, pit- a pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates who threw a no-hitter while high on LSD. True or false? The documentary No-No is about Doc Ellis, a pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates who threw a no-hitter while high on LSD. I'm sorry, Angelique, the answer is true. Uh, It's a really fantastic documentary about Doc (laughs) Ellis, baseball, breaking down racial barriers in sports, and also pitching a no-hitter while high out of your mind on mind-altering drugs. Truly a, uh, a wild, wild time, wild game. Uh, just insane stuff. All right, I, I'm a big fan of this next question. <clears throat> question number seven. Alex Trebek has a starring role in what sports movie? Oh my God. Is it A, Happy Gilmore? B, Bend It Like Beckham? C, Moneyball? Or D, White Men Can't Jump? So Alex Trebek stars in A, Happy Gilmore. B, bend it like Beckham, C, Moneyball, or D, white men can't jump. All right, let me see those answers, folks. 
Preeti, you are correct. The answer is white men can't jump. There's an entire B plot in that oh, movie about Rosie Perez's because character. Because Rosie Perez is obsessed with Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like that. I like that that one had the biggest spread of answers on it because yeah. it's feasible he could have been in any of them. Well, I, it was, I was process like... of elimination. So for me, it was either Moneyball or White Men Can't Jump. And I was like, I feel like it's White Men Can't Jump. <laughs> Roll the dice on this one. We'll guess. All right. This next one, look, if you're behind in the points, this next one will help you. Cool Runnings is a movie about an Olympic bobsled team from which country? Yes. Is it A, Nigeria, B, Pakistan, C, Jamaica, or D, Mexico? Cool Runnings is a movie about an Olympic bobsled team from which country? A, Nigeria, B, Pakistan, C, Jamaica, or D, Mexico? Shocker of all shockers. You guys all got it right. Amazing. And the answer is, in fact, Jamaica. They have a bobsled team. Okay, uh, let me see here. Uh, yes, um, they made their debut at the 1988 Winter Olympics in Calgary, uh, which I've been to once, and it is a very cold place. Uh, okay, question number nine. Former LA Laker Shaquille O'Neal stars in a college basketball movie from 1994. What is the name of that movie? Is it A, Blue Chips, B, Above the Rim, C, the air up there, or D, full court miracle. Okay, what movie is Shaq in 1994 college basketball movie? Is it A, blue chips, B, above the rim, C, the air up there, or D, full court miracle? All right, let's, let's see those answers, folks. I'm so sorry. The answer was A, blue chips. It was the Shaq... It was his Shackton debut, directed by William Friedkin, who also directed The Exorcist. So fun little, fun little bit of cinema history right there. All right, now put on your nostalgia glasses for this one. In Mighty Ducks 2, what country do the villains hail from? A, Russia, B, Finland, C, Ukraine, or D, Iceland? What country is the villain of the film from? Is it A, Russia, B, Finland, C, Ukraine, or D, Iceland, the villain of Mighty Ducks 2? They are my favorite Disney villain. The answer is, in fact, D, Iceland. So the screenwriters admitted they knew nothing about Iceland apart from an actress they knew there who was incredibly tall and imposing, and the fact that it has ice in the name the national sport of Iceland is actually team handball. So, because there's, it's no, it's, it's not made of. You know, it's um. It's not a land of ice. It's misleading. No. It's misleading. A dishonest name. <laughs> Beautiful country. Um, all right. So I have my supercomputer tabulating right now, running the saber metrics, telling me all the odds. Fantasy football is processing. And let's see, the winner of today's sports trivia, the MVP, is Breathy, you won. Congratulations. I do secretly love sports movies, but I didn't think I was going to be able to remember anything. I, yes. I mean, that's, that's what happens to me. Like, everyone, like, whenever you're watching something like this in the chat, it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, I know this. How can they not get this? But when you get up there sometimes, every movie you've ever seen just vanishes from your brain. Yes. And uh, you're just like, okay, um, they they made a sequel to Mighty Ducks, apparently. What? Um, so yes, 
Yeah. With that said, um, so now we've reached the end of our show. It's time for your 30-second soapbox. You can talk about anything you want, promote anything you want, get anything off your chest. So, Preeti, as our newly crowned champion of sports movie trivia, you are up first. What do you have for us? Uh, I wrote this book called A Jedi You Will Be. It's a picture yeah. book with beautiful illustrations by Mike Dees, and it came out last week, so please buy it. And I also have the sequel to Marvel's Avengers Assembly Book One Orientation. Book two is available for pre-order. It's called The Sinister Substitute. So please check that out. Oh, I dropped everything. Your other your other books were mad at not being mentioned. I know, but... sorry. Mm. Clone Wars, the anthology with short stories. And then that last book I didn't write and was using it to write my answers to trivia on. <laughs> I was going to say, you, you've written so many books, I couldn't fit them all in your intro. So definitely check that out. Congratulations on the launch. I'm excited to check out the new ones as well. Um, so next up on our soapbox, Andres, it is your turn. What do you have for us? Yes. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Obviously, Twitter and Instagram at Squad Leader Race is where you can find me. My YouTube channel, First Cut. And premiering tomorrow at 6 p.m. live on my YouTube channel is my brand new Star Wars show with Emma Fife. Uh, it is called Sabak the Block. Uh, for all you Star Wars fans out there, it is a pun. Uh, and there is a lot of solo references in my Star Wars show. So make sure you guys tune in to the very first episode of Sabak the Block tomorrow, 6 p.m. at First Cut. A plus name, A plus yes. pun, A plus guest. I can't wait to check that out. Congrats on the launch. That's so cool. Yeah, thank um, you, man. Awesome. Now, last but not least, Angelique, it is your turn on the Nerdist News Talks Back Soapbox. What do you have for us? Yo, so you can find me at Angelique uh, Roche Official on the Instagrams and Angelique Roche at Twitter. Uh, I have lots of stuff going on, uh, mostly just here, uh, pumping out some good stuff from Marvel. Uh, so keep, uh, keep watch of that. Uh, we've got season three of Marvel's Voices coming out later in the year. Uh, I'm very, very excited about that. As well as, you know, Indigenous Voices, uh, Marvel's mm. Voices, Indigenous Voices number one coming out in November. We're going to be re-releasing Marvel's Voices number one in December. Uh, and lots of other things I can't talk about right now, as well as I've got some interviews coming up with Ace Comic Con, including one of the stars of The Boys. You Ooh. can go over to Ace Comic Con and see uh, what's coming out of the pipe on that. Uh, I cannot confirm anything else besides that, but it, it is coming. Well, I can confirm there's an Easter egg for that hidden somewhere in this show. So go back and rewatch it and then go check out Angelique's interviews and her awesome stuff she's doing over at Marvel. Folks, thank you all so much for joining me today. This was a super fun show and thank you to everyone on the panel. Thank you to everyone at home who tuned in live. And yeah, make sure you check out today's episode of Nerdist Now. It's all about the best hidden gem horror movies you need to stream this spooky season. And with that, we'll see you back here next Monday for a brand new episode of Nerdist News Talks Back at 2 p.m. Pacific live on Nerdist's YouTube channel and Geek and Sundry's Twitch channel. So in the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and have a great day. Bye-bye. <laughs>